Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Hey, Fitzy, thanks for that $20 tip last night, but I don't want you getting the wrong idea about me. Carla, I know that your favors are not for sale. See, that's what I mean about the wrong idea. <laughs> you want to go where everybody knows your name. Hello and welcome back to Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. My name is Ryan Daly and here with me to discuss the third episode of Cheers' Season 5, returning guest Greg Solomon. What's up, Greg? Thanks for having me back. I had a good time last time and I'm looking forward to diving into this episode with you. Thank you very much for coming back. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you back. The episode that we are talking about, Season 5, Episode 3, Money Dearest. This episode is written by Janet Leahy, directed by Jim Burroughs, and the original air date was Thursday, October 9th, 1986. Cliff returns from Expo 86 in Vancouver to find the patrons at Cheers enamored of an elderly customer named Duncan Fitzgerald. Fitz is wealthy, having invented a component used by jet airplanes, but comes to the bar to spend his money since he doesn't have any other family. Cliff gets the idea of introducing Fitz to his mother, Esther Clavin, who I think I mistakenly referred to as Estelle Clavin a couple episodes ago. So forgive me for that one. Uh, Fitz and Esther hit it off, and one week after their first date, they tell Cliff they plan to wed the very next day. Cliff is over the moon, less for his mother's happiness and more for the millions he stands to inherit with Fitz as his new father. That is, until Fitz tells Cliff he plans to give most of his fortune away to charity. To celebrate, Cheers hosts a bachelor party for Fitz. Cliff hopes the man will have enough fun that he'll bequeath at least some of his wealth to his new son. In fact, Fitz has so much fun that he suffers a fatal heart attack and dies. After the funeral, Esther is able to grieve for her almost husband, and Cliff comforts her. She reflects that she's not the type of person to whom good things happen, but Cliff reminds her that 37 years ago, she gave birth to him, which is the best thing that ever happened to her, for better or worse. All righty. Big picture overall, Greg, what did you think about this episode? This is something you say often in your podcast, that there are no bad episodes of Cheers, and there are some that are not as good as the others. And I'm sorry to say, in my opinion, this is one of those not as good as the other episodes. It, it's not one of my favorites. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. And there's something I kind of picked up on with this one. And I tend to think of Cliff-centric episodes as weaker episodes. Thing is, I'm sorry to cut you off. The last time I was on, we had a Cliff uh, episode, his big score. That was one of the best episodes. I, I think I said I put it in my top 10 when it, he went to the Postman's Ball. Exactly, exactly. And I was thinking about that one, too, because that kind of... That put a certain bug in my brain, and this one kind of cemented it, is I think Ratzenberger in this role as Cliff is a great foil type of character in that he kind of brings out the best in other characters, often at his own expense. Because even with that, the, the Cliff's big score, with the, the Postman's Ball episode, I think we were both on the same page where... That was a great Cliff episode, but he wasn't the best part of the episode necessarily. That's what, part, but he, they also, it showed Cliff had some humanity. He wasn't just this one trick pony, this one joke wonder, everyone's punching bag. Right. He actually showed some, some sincerity. I think I said a few times he was quite sweet. Mm-hmm. This episode showed he works very well as a supporting character. 
Cliff as a character cannot carry a series. A letter, and right. you know, you can only do so much with him. I, but, I think a big yeah. problem with this episode. We'll discuss it. He, there's nothing redeemable or like about likable about him in this episode. I, I, I think the exception is Ma, his, his is. mom. The emphasis on him introduces her, and I think she's the. I'm, I'm tipping my hat to the end. Of the end of this episode is. I think she steals the show, and she's she's a real highlight and a gem in this one. I think the. I'm going to say the only. I'm probably wrong, but the only redeemable aspect of this episode is the introduction of Ma Clavin. She absolutely steals this episode. Right. There's and, no question. Yeah. Another pitfall, another problem with it is that there is no B plot to this episode. It's it's all is- Cliff and and this his whole trying to get his mom to marry this wealthy guy. Like the closest we could possibly get to a B plot is right after the main credits. Like when we start the A block, when Diane has this line of, you know, she's asking Sam, where should we get registered? What, you know, what kind of wedding should we have and everything? And he makes a joke that like, she's like, you know, people want to know, you know, what kind of gifts to get us. And then Sam is quick to look at the guys. He's like, Who wants to know who was shopping for us? Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he suggests a military uh, wedding where the bride will be uh, a yeah. 21, 21 gun yeah. salute. Yeah. You're right. I was thinking about that also watching this. There, there's no B plot at all. And also there's no Sam and Diane, really. She's hardly in this episode. Which I'm not sure how I feel about that, because as I've explained in the previous two episodes, the status of Sam and Diane in the first half of this season, I don't think of with fondness, just because of the whole like, she's convinced they're going to be married and she refuses to accept his rejection and having her be so having her be the pursuer, but so blindly stubborn and obnoxious about it doesn't really feel like Diane to me. True. Um, And it's not Diane. I I, you know, I was with the show since the beginning and this season is I have a problem with that also. She she's just not Diane. She's not shining him in in this swampland that is Cheers, where everyone seems to dumb down in this bar. She mm-hmm. and maybe Lilith remain the exceptions, but the first half of this season, she's almost sucked into it also. Right, and and it just it's just not Diane. It doesn't ring true. Maybe their romance was only built for four seasons, and this this fifth one. They they kind of struggle with finding their footing for the for the first half of it. I think they had to figure out how to get her back after that last uh, season finale. That's number right. one. Right. What would be a, a, a realistic storyline to get her back in that bar? Yeah, and I, I rem- you know I watched this in real time. I'm a little older than you, and I'm trying to remember. I can't remember if during the airing of season five, if there was news that Shelley Long was going to leave the show or not. I can't remember if we knew that as the public. From so, from what I was from what I researched was she told the producer she told the Charles brothers and and everybody at the show that she was leaving after this season, but I think they were hoping she would change her mind or they were planning because the season finale for this season had multiple endings shot in case she changed her mind or it, to reflect back the possibility after the season finale. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know it's, it, to what you said. I, I always debate, do I prefer the Diane years or the Rebecca years? And I I always tilt to the Diane years. I think they're my preference. I love the Rebecca years. But I do think, I don't know if the show would have gone on as long as it had, had Shelley Long stayed on. And I don't want to knock her at all. She is just the unsung hero of this series, if you ask me. She's just phenomenal in this show. 
but I don't know if, if it could have continued as long as it had, if it didn't have that dramatic shift yeah. to Rebecca. I prefer Diane to Rebecca, and I think the, the same in Diane romance is second to none. But I think in general, I favor the lat- the Rebecca years, not for Rebecca herself, but for the characterization of Woody and Frazier and some of the others throughout those seasons. I think we just see the fleshing out of the ensemble a little bit more. One of the things I loved about the Rebecca years is they sort of caught on that each season, or they just made her a loser. And every she just went lower and lower and lower. She went with it. The writers went with it. And it really added a lot to it. And it was funny, the, the, some of the things that, that happened to her. And, and yeah. so I, I enjoyed that with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Bring it back to this episode because yeah, we, whether we whether can we go like on or not, and, and I think I I mean I actually I do think I like this episode more than I liked the previous one, um, and it's probably a lot of it is going to come down to uh, Esther and just like, like that introduction. But anyway, so we we start off right from the bat. Cliffy is coming back from he went to Expo, which actually was the thing the 1986 World Exposition on Transportation and Communication um, held in Canada. Um, is this this is his first trip to Canada because Canada will be a thing for Cliffy in the future yeah. episodes. Yeah. Um, and he's all excited. You know, he, he mentions he, he sets up Carla. He gives her the alley-oop and he's like, if I died tomorrow, I'd be a happy man to which Carla says, you wouldn't be alone. Um, and he starts to talk to Norm about like this movie and, and Woody comes in. He's like, all these cool things that they have. Expo. He's like, did you see the bullet train? Cliff's like, no. He's like, well, what about the great hall of Ramses? No, and Woody just like lists off like four or five things like that he could have seen. And Cliff didn't see any of them. It's like, what was he actually doing there? Because so Sam comes in, he's like, "Hey, man, how was Expo?" And Cliff's like, "It's a major disappointment, Sammy." <laughs> I'm going to be nitpicking here, but there were three things about this. I, number one, do you believe that Cliff is the kind of person who would go to Canada to go to Expo? Is hmm. in his wheelhouse, uh, but okay, I'm nitpicking. Number two, I. I find it odd that Woody was doing reading about uh, the expo and knowing about Ramses and all this other stuff that was out of character for Woody. But the interesting thing is this is one of the only teasers I could think of where it actually is important because it leads into the uh, episode. Right. Right. There is some significance to the fact that Cliff has been gone for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because when he comes in, he doesn't know who Fitz is. They have to explain it to him. Exactly. They have to they have to backfill in like this whole the fact that he's become a regular just in the time that Cliffy's been absent. Um, uh, Speaking of like the 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 whether the characters are behaving in character or not, uh, the writer for this episode, Janet Leahy, she's only she only writes two episodes. She writes this one and then she writes the very next episode that follows this one, which is Abnormal Psychology with which is one of the best episodes. Right. So like and. I, I don't know if she just had a better handle on those characters or if maybe some of the other guys did a little script doctoring uncredited on that one. Um, but yeah, night and day in terms of normal psychology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe right. She said, I'll give it to you, <laughs> but you have to do this one also. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. And that maybe. one was so good. They said, all right, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Um, and then after that, she goes on and she writes some other shows and becomes a producer on a couple of different sitcoms in the, in the nineties and two thousands. So, um, so yeah, so this guy, Duncan Fitzgerald and, and getting into the guest cast. So Fitz is played by Richard Erdman, um, who I know mostly is a very sp- as a small character. He plays Leonard on the show community. 
if he's already supposed to be elderly, you know, fast forward 25, 30 years in community. Esther Clavin, played by Frances Sternhagen, um, she appeared in the movie Outland with Sean Connery, uh, also appeared in a couple of Stephen King adaptations, Misery and The Mist. Uh, she also played Noah Wiley's grandmother in ER. Gosh, I, I mean, yeah, she's one of those. You've seen her. In around, and you've yeah. seen her on the new, I don't know, you see her in the New York theater scene. She's yeah. a real solid actress. Right. And, and I think she was born to play this role. And this was probably the first place that I saw her. And I would eventually see her in a ton of other things and like know her, but I would always come back to that. That's plus mom. Yeah. Um, they couldn't have found anyone better. No, no, she, yeah, she's terrific. Like right from, right from the beginning when she comes in and perfect intro because, you know, Cliff like walks her up to the bar because he wants, at this point he's met Duncan. He realizes that Duncan is rich and that they're like, yeah, but it doesn't really have any other family. And Cliff just like out loud. It's like, ma. And they're like, what'd you say Cliff? And he's like, oh, oh nothing, nothing. And he's just already, the wheels are turning. He's going to try and get his mom to, to marry this guy so he can inherit it. Not the most, uh, compassionate or humane subplot for the character like he's just using his mom as a get rich quick scheme but yeah when, when she comes in he comes up and he's like this is this is cheers and she's like yep this is the odor i wash out of your shirts yeah. one of the best lines of the show yeah every line she delivers every line so well so Perfect, i'll say yeah, that every yeah. time we talk about her lines. yeah and once once cliff brings her up and then he goes to get fitzgerald so he can bring him back to to introduce them and they're like so cliff must have told you a lot about us and she goes actually cliff doesn't talk that much at home and, and norm is like cliff that cliff yeah. <laughs> and instantly she goes into the it's a little known fact and she starts comparing him to these arctic wolves and like if they stay in the hut and you just kind of see the look going over norm and and sam and woody that they're like and i think oh in her, and it, well in her explanation she uses the word reticent <laughs> you know yeah. they're, reticent you know, they're, howling they're gone yeah 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 no like her her story the fact that she dives into that and then just the pan back to those guys as you just see the look of dawning realization on their face like oh this is why he is. Like, this, this informs some of his behavior, so at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Cliff tries to introduce the two. And at first, he's like, you know, uh, Fitz is from Michigan. He's like, you've been to Michigan? And she's like, no, I haven't. She's been to these other states. And he's like, well, he invented these things from planes, right? You've been on planes before. And like, they're just not working. And he's like, Normie, I'm dying. You got to help me. And Norm's solution. <laughs> perfect almost almost my home run of this episode is when norm just goes to mine also yeah he's like so correct me if i'm wrong but didn't you two share a war together what a line and it works and it works <laughs> somehow that's what gets, they're like, just they actually, clicks between the two of them yeah they, because, and they start singing the uso song together right she worked at the uso at doing um board game night or something like that and he remembers the the checkers championship with their host bobby holiday or holloway or something women red yeah <laughs> So somehow that actually works. And then, you know, he's like, why don't you two go out to dinner, go upstairs to Melville, get some dinner. It's on me. I insist that I'll pay for it. And Fitz is like, no, I can take care of it. He's like, hey, you got it. He doesn't even try to twist his arm. This whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> also, just backtrack for one second. That whole bit where uh, Norm comes to introduce him to Fitzy, mm-hmm. that whole dialogue was, was so poorly written for Cheers. It was almost like a Three's Company episode. It was so poorly written. Uh, hey, Fitzy, I hear you're loaded. 
Yeah. Norm out of nowhere says, oh, who does your accounting? Well, well I think I could be aggressive. It was so uncheers like it bothered me actually the saving grace the line that i thought was actually pretty good was norms when he's like you invented something didn't you was it the refill or something and that was a good line and maybe maybe that's just credit to george went just pulling it off and just saving it with the delivery because he so inhabits that character so yeah so after after the like they're they've been out for a week they come back and they're can almost she almost doesn't even get the story out but she's just like i'm not sure how you'll feel about having a new dad and Cliff is bouncing. He's already just bouncing, jumping up and like hugging him and giving him a kiss and everything like that. And he's basically having like insisting that they're they're going to have a bachelor party. He tells Woody that he's the the activities director and and then in, almost immediately the wind is cut from out of his sails when they say, "Yeah, Esther's the first woman who really cared about me, not for my money." So I'm giving the money away. Get all the charity. Yeah, get all the charity. And. That's when Cliff is just like, like, like a piece of him dies, which again is not a flattering thing to say about the character. Yeah, he dropped his, he drew yeah, his yeah, drink he at that drew, moment. Yeah. And then, he, yeah, when he's telling, he's telling Woody, he's like, I can't afford this bachelor party. I was like, I'm poor. I've always been poor. I'll always be poor. And Woody's like, I'd like to retire. I'd like to resign as, as chairman of the, the party committee or something. <laughs> I like when his mother says to him, Well, you always have that postal pension you're bragging about. <laughs> yeah. She says you're self-sufficient, but he's living at home with her. Well, he says he's self-sufficient. <laughs> yeah, so, and yeah. and there's the postal pension. So and the postal pension. Yeah. Well, then anyway, they Sam agrees that they'll they'll throw a party for them, and they do that. And it's they order food, but Cliff won't let anybody eat the food because of how much it costs. Sam brings in some women to dance. Norm for had a good line. Them. He says, he says "Cliff says, <laughs> you know what happens when you take the plastic off of food?" And Norm says, "Yeah, it gets eaten. It gets eaten." <laughs> <laughs> Some exotic dancers come in on on Sam's dime, and they take over, and they do sort of hated them. Yeah, <laughs> what I actually thought was a nice little difference is Carla and Esther come in, saying that they're they're Part doing their scene. own little bachelorette party <laughs> yeah. or whatever, and they're like, and "Wasn't they- Diane with you?" Yes. <laughs> and then and she Diane, walks in. Diane, yeah, she she's like, "There you guys are." <laughs> it's like I, we were going to have this good time, and then I got in the cab, and all of a sudden, you guys weren't there with me. <laughs> And space saves it. <laughs> she's like, oh, how did that happen? <laughs> exactly. And then they're talking about going to like this male strip club, and Diane's like, "Oh, I have this other idea. Let's go do something." And she she's got some more some better plan. And and Carla, you see Carla dreading it, but Esther's just like, "No, that's a good idea. Let's go there. I'll hail a cab." And she like side winks at Carla too. Yeah. 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 And then I think again, like the natural fit, the natural chemistry of that actress just coming in like ostensibly as, as her only connection to this world is Cliff, but she clicks with Carla right away. And Carla actually has this line. So I can't fault Clayton. it. Yeah. She's like, I can't fault you for one crime against humanity. <laughs> like, yeah, this is just, I, I actually like this woman. So. She, oh, she steals this show. She steals this episode and just fits in so naturally. And again, she is the redeeming quality in this episode, but it's a major redeeming quality. Yeah, yeah. Um, another one of the the faults, and I think this was them just, uh, again, they didn't have a B-plot and they needed Frazier to do something. So they're trying, like the guys are together and trying to tell body jokes and Frazier's trying to tell one. And he just can't get the, he can't get off the beam. He's like, uh, okay, two, two men. He's like, oh, wait, an Irishman and a Swede. He's like, wait, wait, I can't do these accents right. And he's like working on it. He keeps, he keeps bumbling it. And the whole thing, the punchline is supposed to be 
after they say Fitz has had a heart attack, you know, Frazier comes out to deliver the punchline, but he still gets it wrong. And it's like, right. yeah, it, it just fell flat. Uh, Ryan, I, I found the writing so lazy in this episode. It just was not up to Cheers standards. I, I, yeah. I don't know how this script got in there. That, that yeah. The joke with, with Frazier, it, they, all the wonderful things they could do with Frazier, they have done with him. This was lazy. Yeah. Uh, the, the bit with the belly dancers and watching um, Fitz dance with them with their, their head wraps around him. It just wasn't up to Cheers quality. Yeah, I, I hate to be boring and redundant, but that's how I felt this whole episode. Yeah, the fact that they spent so much time with the conga line is just kind of... And, and when, when Fitz came out wearing the head wrap, it, it, yeah. no, and, it didn't work. Yeah. And then, of course, like the whole deal is like, you know, he tells Cliff... He's like, I changed my mind. You're definitely going to be taken care of. Don't worry about it. I've had so much fun. I'm going to reward you. So you think Cliff's plan, for lack of a better word, has has worked. Uh, and then Paul, in one of Paul's uh, appearances, comes in and says, you know, Fitz is really sick. Um, um, and uh, like, I mean, basically we get that. And then it's a hard cut to after the funeral. They're all at the bar in black in mourning. And it's like, that was really abrupt. They had to lower the boon somehow because this marriage was not going to work. Cliff wasn't right. going to find his riches. Right. And it was. It was extremely abrupt. And if you watch him dancing with the girls, he didn't look sick. He seemed to be having a good time. No. Of no, course, a heart just... attack can happen at any moment, but it just didn't fit in. Yeah. Yet. They had to introduce a new character, introduce a second new character to get like this like romantic subplot. Like this almost reminded like there was... um. Maybe it was in season two when Carla started dating a guy that had this heart condition, uh, and they were like he he was lying about it because he knew that like if she found out she would break up with him because they could never be intimate together or something. Um, so this kind of felt like that, except even more removed because we have to bring a, in two brand new characters we've never seen before, have them fall in love, get married have this threat that the inheritance won't go to cliff and then it goes back to cliff but then the ironic reversal because the guy dies before they like hours before the wedding all of this in the span of you know a 22 minute sitcom and it's like you can do it but it just doesn't have the the blood that so many cheers episodes have it just it's just not i'll go back to the same word it was a lazy script yeah it just they they I don't know how it got through. I really don't. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, downer. I'm I really that, need to be a downer. Right. It sounds like I'm turning people off from this show. No, no. And I've, yeah. I've said before, and I, I, I said it this last week, I think the weakest episodes of Cheers are still really, really good episodes of television. The problem is with anything, whether it's a, a TV show or the season of a sports team or uh, comic books or something, if greatness is the norm, if that's like your your average is great, then anything below that, even if it's stellar by a lot of comparisons, it's still below average for what you're expecting. And you know what they do, 200 and some episodes, they can't hit the bullseye every time. Right, right. At this point, they're almost at 100 episodes, almost yeah. 100 by this point. And I Clayton, think now, so. now they've kind of worked into the thing where they know every season, they've got 22 to 25 episodes per season. You're going to have two or three Cliff episodes, two or three Carla episodes, two or three Norm episodes. And there's just so many, so many plots you can have for these types of supporting characters that don't shatter the world that they live in. Cheers will do it in a great way and they'll have a funny situation. They won't have to shatter the world, but the, the script is entertaining and there's a lot going on. 
This episode, no. Right. But this, I, I, we both agree the saving grace was we finally meet this character that we've heard about for a long time. And I mean, I'm trying to think, not going to compare the characters because they're worlds apart, but think about Nick Tortelli. We heard about him for a long time before we ever saw him. And that can be dangerous when you build up your expectations for a character. And then when you finally meet them to be blown away, like, like, just like, wow. How like, like he, the setup actually paid off. Well, I, as I, she was born for this part, but one thing about cheers. And I was thinking about this with her, they had such an eye for casting. And when you think about the recurring characters they've had over the years, Andy, Andy, um, uh, the Tortellis, um, uh, Lilith, uh, Lilith is the high mark of all. Sumner Sloan, um, uh, John Hill later on, Norm Secretary. They pick these actors and actresses. You can't imagine anyone else playing playing them. Can you see anyone else but Dan Hedaya playing Nick Tortelli? Or Gene Kaysen playing uh, Loretta? No, no. Uh, and, and of course, in my opinion, uh, what B.B. Newart did with Lilith mm-hmm. is just, uh, it, it's just miles away from anything else I've seen on television. Sure. And they had no choice but to bring her back. That was no thought of a recurring character. Right. But their eyes for casting was just so superior. Mm-hmm. E- even mm-hmm. a show like Friends didn't have a large cast of recurring characters. You know that? Janice and one or two others. Right. This show, they kept hitting hitting the, the bullseye every time. And this was something that was pointed out from the very first episode of this podcast that I did was the writing and the producer were traditionally very generous with the guest actors and the guest characters of giving them substantive material. Some of the funniest lines, like in episodes, when I go, when I go to what's the funniest bit, like uh, the thing, a lot of times the line, it might not be a Sam or Diane line. It might be a line from some character that we've never seen before, might never see again. But they hired such high quality actors who could pull this off and they trust them. You know, you think of lines, there's a line that Mark Clavin has uh, episode eight or nine. She comes into the bar and Cliff did something wrong. She makes him wear the um, the shower cap. <laughs> He's being punished. I mean, it's so I laugh every yeah. time I see it. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. But I, they okay. just hired quality, quality right. actors and or even Frazier, you know, who was really started off as a recurring character. Sure. Uh, unbelievable what these yeah. actors did with these roles. Right. And they had no choice but to bring them back. Right, because they're so good. And like, but like what I was saying, like sort of similar to Nick Tortelli, we've heard about Cliff's mom for years. At this point, we've gotten the sense of that he lives with her and everything. And to finally meet her, it pays off because she's better than we could have imagined. Because they hired Frances Sternhagen. Right. She, she, her voice, her look. You couldn't find anyone else to fill this role like she did, <laughs> and she knocks it out of the park. Her delivery, her faces. Oh, her facial expressions. Oh, her facial expressions are are superior. When she talks about ditching Diane, just the little way she rolls her eyes. How did that happen? There's nothing far, far in the future, like season nine or 10 or something when she's, it's one of those things where uh, when Cliff is with Maggie or something like that, and he thinks he has to marry her because she's pregnant or something. And, and um, Esther has to like give him like the birds and the bees talk, basically the sex talk. And Cliff is like, Ma, I already know about this. And she looks at the bar. She's like, who's the filthy mouth who's been talking, who's been telling these things to my boy. And very sheepishly, Norm just raises his hand. Like, it was me. And she gives him the death glare. Like, like her face just scrunches up to like a needle point, like a laser is going to shoot out. Oh, I love it. She's oh, so she's, she, 
for me, when she brings that shower cap in, I, oh, you know, a grown man. <laughs> Clifford, what do we do when we don't turn the shower cap inside out? <laughs> and, she, and he wears it in the bar. <laughs> He's wearing, and, you know, maybe maybe one of them, the producers saw Francis Sternhagen and said, you know, this woman could be Cliff's mother. Yeah, yeah. Could be. yeah. You, you couldn't have found anyone better. Before we get to the, the superlatives, there was one last thing, a little detail, and I credit Jim Burroughs for this part. Um, just as the at the post-funeral thing, when everybody's at the end, just when the group is breaking up and Woody is talking about, you know, how funerals are different in Hanover and starts talking about all the people who come from miles around, bring their food, and they ride the roller coasters. He's like, wait a minute, maybe I'm thinking of the State Fair or something. Um, there's a thing, as Woody is talking and he's heading towards the door in the background, Ma Clavin walks across the bar sort of in the front and the camera kind of does this motion where it starts to pan towards Woody, but in doing so, it kind of glides over Cliff. And you just see John Ratzenberger like watching his mom cross the room. And it's very subtle, but it like lingers on him just long enough that you kind of see, I, I don't know, maybe maybe it's me bringing more to it, but because there isn't much to his facial expression, but you just see kind of like this pain on his face, like I screwed up. I like, maybe I pushed this too far, which kind of, yeah, <laughs> maybe when Sam said, hey, Duncan, maybe you want to sit this one out. And Cliff, he's like, no, I'll let him party a little longer. And then he has a heart attack. Yeah, Cliff, maybe it did. Maybe he did. But yeah, just this look on his face. And it just, it's an interesting camera move that I really thought was kind of interesting when I watched it a second time. I was like, that was kind of a cool little effect that they did. But at the end, when she's uh, just Cliff and her in the bar and she's straightening up and she's cleaning the hip. You notice there's a moment she puts her thumb in her mouth and she just licks off the stain from the coaster on the table. Pitch perfect. Just pitch perfect their whole way through. Yeah. Uh, All right. Getting into the little categories for Norm's tab. Norm had seven beers this episode because apparently, like, well, some of them were buying them. He was buying. There was a couple refills in there. But also, it's one of those things where because so much time has to pass in this episode, for the plot, for like the meeting and the the falling, the courtship and like all of those things. When you have so many changes in the scene, I every time like every time Norm is sitting there, if it's an hour later or three hours later, that's a new beer. So, uh, yeah, he's got seven beers this episode, so that's three hundred and ninety-five for the series. I think we're both on the same page. The employee of the week was Esther Clavin. There's no competition. Yeah, yeah, There's no competition. And long live Francis Sternhagen, long live Mott Clavin. I'm glad she comes back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and she's also responsible for my home run for this episode. And this one, like I was, I was trying to think, but like, as soon as I, I forgot about this until I was watching the episode and I was like, hands down, there's no competition for this one to get humor out of grief and mourning can be a tricky thing. But when she starts crying on Cliff's shoulder and he's consoling her and he's there, there, and she starts crying a little bit more and he's like, that's enough. And she starts crying louder and louder and like it builds up and he's like, all right, one more, one more. And she's like, ah, and she's just like, she sells it. She sells it. She sells it. It's a dirge by the end of it. And he's just like, and he's keeping a straight face. Like one more time, one more time. And she just, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger for this crying. And I just, I was laughing harder and harder. I was like, oh my God, but she's doing this. And then she caps it off with another great line when Cliff says, uh, well, you know, 37 years ago. And by the way, he doesn't look 37 years old. 
But uh, 37 years ago, you did have one great thing happen. And she goes, yeah, how many other people got to shake Bing Crosby's hand? (laughs) She she recovered from that crying. Right. But I'll I'll tell you what my home run was. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't a laugh in the episode. When Cliff is moaning after Fitz says he's going to give him money away to charity and he's, he's acting like a real sullen child. When Sam says to him, you know, you're acting like a class A jerk. Why can't you just be happy that your mother has found someone that makes her happy? Mm-hmm. And it was a real, it was a touching moment in this episode. It was very unsam like uh, mm-hmm. and, and I really appreciated it. And I, I thought that was the home run of the episode. It wasn't a comical moment. But... Somebody needed to say that line because that's what yeah. the audience should be feeling. But that would be like, a Diane if you got, line. If you've got a heart, you're, you're thinking that same thing. It's yeah. like, Cliff, knock it off, dude. And so, yeah, somebody has Diane to say that. Line. That would be a Diane line. And, and, Sam came through with it and he, and he sold it. And um, that was my home run of the episode, that, that little moment. Yeah. Uh, well, Greg, this was a little bit thankless because it wasn't the best episode, but it was still a lot of fun. And hopefully the next time you fun. come back, you'll get, you'll get better material. I'll be looking forward to come back. I love talking about the show. I love your, your podcast. And, and we got Esther Clavin, so we got something very good out of it. Something very good. There was a gem, and that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> I know next week is Lilith, and to, to me, that's where this show goes to new heights. The next couple episodes, uh, yeah. there, there's some there's some good stuff there. So, uh, yeah, uh, listeners, don't abandon the show. <laughs> this is the wrong time to quit the podcast. Uh, trust me, trust me. The next one is worth the wait. All right. Thanks again, Greg, for being on this episode with me. And Brian, thanks to fun. all of you who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents, uh, who sponsor this show. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast to support your favorite show on the network. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we are closed. That's it, Ma. You just let it all out now. Good, good. Now, don't you feel better? Yeah, that should just about do it, huh? Good. One last little spit. Well, you know, there's a fine line between expressing your feelings and blubbering. <laughs>